good cartoon, I think it's safe to say. And if you've watched one cartoon, you will have encountered how they display a cartoon character going through a moment of dilemma. How does a cartoonist display that kind of inward wrestling when a decision needs to be made? Do you know? Normally what they do is they present it by an angel on one shoulder and a demon on the other shoulder. You've seen this, right? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, It's common, especially if you watched old school cartoons like Pluto. Pluto met these dilemmas all the time. And so on one shoulder would appear this demon and it would speak and it would loud and it, was, it would persuade him to take one course of action. But then up would pop with a poof this angel and she would try and speak a better advice to lead him on another path. If you've watched The Simpsons, Homer goes through the same kind of thing on a regular basis. Now in the book of Proverbs, the father is seeking to navigate his son down the pathway of life. Last week, in fact, two weeks ago, we saw in Proverbs 7 that as his son is treading this pathway, it is as if the demon pops up on his right shoulder uh, in the guise of a seductive woman. This adulteress comes, and if you look back to chapter 7, verse 11, what are we told of her? She is loud and defiant, her feet never stay at home, now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner, she lurks. Here is woman folly, and she is loud, isn't she? And she's speaking to the sun. Lies, empty promises, that are actually snares that will bring death. Now in Proverbs 8, which we're looking at tonight, the cartoonist, as it were, completes the picture. Up on the other shoulder pops an angel, uh, this time in the guise of a woman wisdom. Uh, He personifies wisdom as a woman to be just as loud as woman folly. You see that in the first four verses of chapter 8. Does not wisdom call out Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights, along the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand beside the gates leading to the city. At the entrances, she cries aloud. If ever there was a sermon where you were allowed to shout, it was this one, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you have Proverbs 7, woman Wally shouting in the son's ear, come this way. Proverbs 7, woman wisdom cries aloud, speaking truth bringing power and seeking to lead the son to life. Now look in verse 2. Where is woman wisdom? On the heights, along the way, where the paths meet. Other translations say at the crossroads. The son finds himself at the crossroads. This is a place where decisions are made, where journeys are embarked upon. And the question is, who is the son going to listen to at these crossroads? Woman folly or woman wisdom? In the first nine chapters of Proverbs, the father is seeking to instill wisdom, not just in the son's ears and in his mind, but in his heart. Why? Because from chapter 10 on, he is going to come in his journey of life to many 
crossroads proverbs where he's going to need to choose, who am I going to listen to? Let me give you some examples. Just look across to chapter 10. Flick over the page. Uh, Let me show you some crossroad proverbs. Chapter 10, verse 1, the first one. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grief to his mother. There's a crossroad. Did you see it? The first one the son meets, there's a choice. You're going to bring joy to your father, or are you going to bring grief to your mother? It's a crossroads. Chapter 10, verse 2. Ill-gotten treasures are of no value, but righteousness delivers from death. There's another crossroads. The son embarks upon his career, and the decision comes. Am I going to go for ill-gotten gain, or am I going to choose righteousness? More. Chapter 10, verse 4. Lazy hands make a poor man, make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Another crossroads. Son, what are you going to do? Are your hands going to be lazy hands? They're going to be diligent hands. It's a crossroad. It's a wisdom decision. Keep going. Chapter 10, verse 9. The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. There's a crossroad. Life is full of crossroads. Are you going to walk, my son, with integrity? Or are you going to walk a path that is crooked? At every crossroads, there are two voices that are both loud. The question is, who are you going to listen to at the crossroads? Women folly or women wisdom? Now, the father is very wise in Proverbs 8. What he does is he lets women wisdom speak. He turns the volume for women wisdom up to 11 and allows her pretty much to tell her autobiography. If you look at verse 12, she introduces herself. I, wisdom. I'm reading David Jason's autobiography at the moment. It's a good read, but what he basically does is saying, I, David Jason. The whole book is, I, David Jason. Well, here wisdom gets the opportunity to tell her story. She lays out her credentials. She hands the son her CV. Now, why does the father give woman wisdom the stage? Well, tonight he wants women wisdom to, as it were, put her glory on display. That the the son would say, do you know what? Having seen her glory, I'm going to listen to her and ignore women folly. The women wisdom's glory put on display that she would be listened to. It's a kind of self-promotion, not in the kind of selfie way of selfish kind of just whatever that is, taking a selfie. But it's more like in an emergency kind of medical crisis, a doctor who puts his hand up and says, listen, here's my degree, here's my training, here's my expertise, here's my experience. You can trust me. You can put my life in your hands. Now that's why we read the transfiguration story from Mark's gospel, because I think it's a very similar thing that's going on. What happens? Jesus takes these three disciples up a mountain and he is changed before them. He is seen in all his God glory. And what does the father say? This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. When you see his glory, what is the application? Listen. And so in Proverbs 8, what does the father do? Let me show you the glory of wisdom. 
Let me show you Jesus' glory that you would listen to him. That's the application in this chapter. You can see it if you look at verse 6, the application, listen. Verse 32, now then, my sons, listen. Verse 33, listen. Verse 34, blessed is the man who listens. Let me show you the glory of wisdom so that you would listen to her rather than woman folly. You tracking with me? Let me give you then two reasons why we should listen to woman wisdom. We're going to see first wisdom at the crossroads with mankind and then second wisdom in eternity with the Lord. So first, wisdom at the crossroads with mankind. Why should we listen to her? Well, let's see six reasons that she gives. Uh, six quick reasons. First one, verses six to nine. Uh, what she says. Let's skim these verses again. Listen, for I have worthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true. They detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them are crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are faultless to those who have knowledge. What is absolutely necessary when you come to a crossroad? That you first of all discern what is right and what is wrong. What is just or what is unjust. What is faultless or what is faulty? Where do you go for that? Woman wisdom. She speaks what is right, what is true, what is just, what is faultless. She speaks nothing but the truth. In a society where even the idea of truth is up for grabs and under siege, where do you go? The glory of woman wisdom. She speaks nothing but the truth. And you see what she says about herself in verses uh, 10 and 11? Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you can desire can compare with her. This is incomparable, my son. You don't get this glory anywhere else. In people and things and adverts and marketing campaigns that will lie to you. Choose this rather than anything else. Her glory is seen in what she says. Nothing but the truth. Listen to her. Second thing. Verses, uh, verse 12. Not only what she says, but where she dwells. Uh, verse 12 reads this. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. Sometimes when you get to a crossroads, it is not always a matter of what is right and what is wrong but actually just a matter of what is wise and what is foolish. It comes under this old school word of what is prudent. Prudent is the opposite of reckless. It's this measuredness, a thought-throughness. Sometimes at the crossroads we're filled with such doubt, aren't we? Or anxiety that we might take the wrong way. Uh, what does women wisdom say? My glory is that I stay in the same ghetto as prudence. You get this with me. It comes under my realm. That's her glory. Not only truth, but this discretion and prudence. You can listen to me. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Uh, not only what she says, where she dwells, but thirdly, and interestingly, what she hates. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. 
I hate pride. I hate arrogance. I hate evil behavior. I hate perverse speech. Here's the glory of woman wisdom. She hates what will destroy you. That's a wonderful thing. Someone who would have such concern for you that it drives them to a hatred of whatever would harm you. She is desperate to foster in you the fear that would make you wise. That's the glory of wisdom. She wants you to understand these two people on either shoulder rightly. She wants you to have a big view of women wisdom. She is to be feared because of what she hates. And you must hate this woman folly who would destroy you. That's how you interact with these kind of uh, dilemma voices if you're a cartoon. Humility before women wisdom. But a hatred for women folly. What she hates is glorious. Next one, number four, verses 14 to 16. Not only what she hates, but what she has. Read from verse 14 with me. Counsel, sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and power. By me kings reign and rulers make laws that are just. By me princes govern and all nobles who rule on earth. Isn't it true? Sometimes at the crossroads, we know what is right and what is wrong. In our minds, we know what is wise and what is foolish. But we lack the power to walk the right way. We lack the power to live out what is right. What is the glory of women wisdom? I have power. Listen to me. She says, listen, if I can do it for kings, if I can do it for those who reign, I can do it for the accountant and the mother and the addict, I have power. It's mine. Listen to me. Right, moving on. Fifth thing. What she loves. Verse 17. I love those who love me. And those who seek me find me. This is class. What does woman wisdom come to you with at the crossroads? She doesn't come with a textbook. And she doesn't come with a dummy's guide. She comes to you herself and says what? I love you. The fear of the Lord which brings wisdom is relational in the book of Proverbs. And here is woman wisdom in all her glory with all this power. And she says, do you know that I love you? When it comes to the crossroads of a crunch moment of suffering or temptation or decision making, what do you need to know? It's not just actually knowledge, but it's your affections, isn't it? How could I do that when I love Jesus? She loves you. He loves you. Sixth thing, final thing. Not only what she loves, but where she walks. Verse 20 and 21. I walk in the way of righteousness, along the path of justice, bestowing wealth on all who love me and making their treasuries full. When it comes to making a decision at the crossroads, wisdom is not only with you in that moment, but she walks with you down the path. The pathway of folly is one of isolation. 
but the pathway of wisdom and righteousness is one with women wisdom walking hand in hand. Not only giving you what you need in verse 21, but more than you need. She is with you. And what is the, to be the result of this? Look at verse 18 and 19. To listen to women wisdom, riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity, fruit that is better than fine gold, a yield that surpasses silver. Listen to her. Not only because who she is and what she loves and what, where she dwells, but because of what she gives. Life in all its fullness. Things that are better than silver, better than gold, that endure even beyond this life. Do you see her glory? So what is the application? If she is this, if she has this, listen to her. Do you know in this glory of woman wisdom, as, she, as wisdom is personified for us, we cannot help but see the person who was perfectly wise. The one in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. Jesus, who Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 24, is both power from God but wisdom from God. Isn't it true that as Jesus is walking this earth, he is constantly being this voice of wisdom to every person that he intersects with? Think of the amount of times that he comes to a crossroads with an individual and he provides this voice of wisdom. Uh, Think of the woman uh, of Samaria in John 4. She's had four husbands, and the man that she currently lives with is not her husband. She's been drinking from all these uh, fountains, trying to find sexual and relational satisfaction. But what is the truth? She's thirsty. So Jesus intersects her and provides this moment of crossroads and says, Listen, you are thirsty, but I can be for you a spring of living water, welling up to eternal life. He shows her her glory and says, listen to me. What does she do? Listens and finds a satisfaction that is better than silver and gold. Uh, Do you remember the rich young man? Jesus, again, provides this intersection, this crossroad moment for a rich young man. He is pockets lined, house built, barns full. Yet Jesus comes to him and says, listen, Do you see my glory? I can bring treasures that will not be eaten by moth and rust, but will endure into eternity. But at those crossroads, that rich young man walks away sad because he counts his wealth as greater than what Jesus can offer in eternity. I think of another one. Remember Zacchaeus? This horrible man, little man. Those two things don't always go together. But um, he's living off the um, kind of dodgy tax system of the day. He's stealing from the Jews and lining his own pockets. And yet he gets this crossroad moment with the Lord Jesus. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house for tea. So Zacchaeus listens to Jesus and finds a treasure that is better than what he's living off this tax system. But do you remember Judas? He sits at the Last Supper with every other disciple. He drinks from that cup, the cup of the new covenant, 
that is promising redemption and rescue and life. And yet what fixes his gaze? A little bag of silver. He chooses, rather than the instruction and the life that Jesus brings, he chooses wealth and silver and gold. Do you remember Mary and Martha? Uh, Martha busies herself, distracted by all the duties of the house. Where's Mary? Sitting, doing what? Listening to Jesus. And Jesus, the wise one, says what to Mary and Martha? Mary has chosen what is better. What surpasses even silver and gold. You see his glory? The question is, at the crossroads this week, you're going to listen to him? Or are you going to ignore him? The truth is, though he speaks truth and brings prudence and hates what will destroy you and gives you power and loves you and walks with you, what does woman folly do? Well, chapter 7 She speaks only lies. She dwells in a graveyard. She hates you. She has no power to deliver on her promises. She loves evil and she walks you into her slaughterhouse. Who are you going to listen to? See the glory of woman wisdom as it prefigures the glory of Jesus Christ and compare that to the empty, death-bringing lies of woman folly. There will be lots of crossroads this week. Who are you going to listen to? Now, we could stop there, but women wisdom doesn't. She continues and says, okay, wait, let me show you more of my glory. And we go from time and space in a street to soar beyond time and space into eternity. And we move from wisdom at the crossroads with mankind to wisdom in eternity with the Lord. Have a look from verse 22 to uh, 31. Here's the crux of the message in uh, these verses. Wisdom basically says, uh, this is contagious style for those of you who were there, I was there, she says. See that in verse 27? I was there. Well, when, women wisdom? Well, before, before, before. Do you see that repetition? I was there before the deeds of old, verse 22. Verse 23, before the world began. Verse 25, before the mountains. Verse 26, before he made the earth or its fields. Wisdom was there. Before, before, before creation. When else was she there? Well, in the when and the when and the when of creation. You see that repetition? Verse 27, I was there when he set the heavens. When he marked out the horizon. Verse 28, when he established the clouds. Verse 28, when he fixed securely the foundations of the deep. 29, when he gave the sea its boundary and so on and so on. Do you see the glory of woman wisdom? With God in eternity as the craftsman at his side. And what does she experience? Complete joy. An utter delight. Why does the Father tell us this? Why does wisdom tell us this in her autobiography? I think the point is this. If you want to navigate the crossroads in this creation, then you've got to listen to the craftsmen of creation. Isn't it true that when it comes to wisdom, getting advice over anything, we want an experienced voice? 
We want someone who's been through the mill, who's got the info, who has the knowledge. You walk in, I think this is true, you walk in for an operation in the hospital and the surgeon told you, this is my first one. What's your reaction? Nightmare, isn't it? I want the old hand. I want the one who's done this a million times and can do it in their sleep. I don't want the junior doc with a trembling hand. I want the experienced hand. Is that not true? I I think I get that impression when I turn up for a pastoral visit. People look at me and say, shouldn't you be at school? You know, I want your granddad. I don't want you. And there's wisdom in that, isn't there? Now, what is the glory of wisdom? Her advice is perfect. Why? Because it is eternal. She was there with God before creation and she was the agent of God in creation. If you want to understand how to negotiate the crossroads of creation, you've got to listen to the craftsmen of creation. It's amazing truth. Here again we see the glory of the Lord Jesus because he is the wisdom that was with God in eternity And yet he is the wisdom of God that is with you at the crossroads of your every day. Here's the glory of Jesus, who is not only with God in eternity, but is with you at the crossroads. This Christian doctrine, this unique Christian doctrine, that Jesus is both the eternal Son of God, fully God, and yet became fully man, is amazing. So that the wisdom of God can be mediated to you through his perfect and only son. As the one who is with God and with us, who better to listen to. And only when we understand our place in relationship to our creator can we know the same joy and delight of wisdom. Do you know, if you're not a Christian, maybe you know this truth that deep down there is not a fullness, there is not a satisfaction to finding your place in this world. Well, Proverbs 8 would say that is not surprising because until you find fullness of relationship with the creator God, you will never find fullness of satisfaction in his creation. But this is a wonderful, distinctive teaching of Christianity that we have a God that is not just in sync with his creation but entered it in Jesus, so that we can not just be in sync with the creation, but with the creator of all. Amazing language in the New Testament to describe our Lord Jesus. You think of John chapter 1. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But you track in John 1. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And you keep tracking, John 1.14, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. Amazing that you would see the glory of the eternal God in the person of his son. You go to Hebrews chapter 1, and you find what? Then in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the exact representation of God the Father. You see him in very nature, God. And yet in Hebrews 1, In Hebrews 2, you have this eternal God sympathizing with you and your weaknesses. 
He's not only the God that you see his glory, but he is the God who enters into your crossroad moments. He's been there. He's known the temptation of both voices. But better than that, Colossians 1. This Jesus, who was the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, the one through whom all things were made by him and for him. And yet he dies bleeding on a cross, Colossians 1, 17 and 18, to make peace through his blood. Amazing that you would not only see the glory of the eternal God and have that God sympathize with you, but that he would die for you. Do you see his glory? The question is this week, are you going to listen to him? There will be many crossroad moments. There will be many opportunities for doing things that are wise or walking in a way that is foolish. Let me show you this in black and white. Proverbs 8, verse 35 and 36. Here's what lies before you and me this week. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. There is the clarity of the crossroads. There is a sense in which every movement towards folly is self-harm, is suicide. But here's the glory of Jesus. Are you going to listen to him? So the application in these final verses is clear. I just need to read them. Verse 32, Now then, my sons, my daughters, listen to him, to Jesus. You'll be blessed if you keep his ways. Listen to them and be wise. Don't ignore them. When that moment comes of a crossroad, don't ignore the voice. It will be there. Don't ignore it. Blessed are you if you listen to him. Watch daily at his doors. Are you watching daily? Don't take a day off from being wise because you won't have a day off from these crossroad moments. Watch daily at his door and find life and favor. Do you see his glory? Who are you going to listen to this week? He shows you himself and says, listen to me. Why don't we take a few moments uh, in personal reflection Uh, to pray some of these truths, then maybe to read through some of these verses that we've looked at, and maybe to think through the week that is to come, and to say, where where are the tension moments? Where are the crossroads going to come? Where are the moments of heat that I need to make sure that I'm listening well? How are we going to make sure we watch daily at his doors? Let's take a few moments, and then we'll take some time to respond in prayer.